speak so deeply to the surrender in which you invite us to. And Lord, we want to surrender today more fully to your grace. Lord God, we're inviting you to come and break through every wall, every chain, every impediment to receiving your word today. This morning in prayer, I just had this picture of a sledgehammer just coming against a wall over and over and over again. And you never know when the wall will fall. But when it keeps hitting, it falls. And the Lord has been battering down the walls around our heart in order for us to receive even more deeply and fully the message of His grace. So, Lord, may your word today be alive and effective in and through our brother and in and through our hearts to receive from you for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for worship, leading us in worship. Um, most of you know who I am, uh, and I have the privilege of, I have the privilege of a couple of roles here, um, both the lead pastor here of Bethel Christian St. Paul, as well as the senior pastor of the Bethel Family of Churches. Over the last uh, couple of months, I've had the privilege of preaching. Uh, today, I'll be preaching with the Corinne. I've had a privilege of preaching in all of our family of church congregations, uh, and that's a joy. And it's also a joy to see the Word of God released here through his servants. Wasn't it wonderful last week with Pastor Sam? If you uh, were here, you know that he preached a word that just penetrated deep and was a battering ram. It was that, it was a wonderful sledgehammer uh, on the walls around our hearts. And uh, I encourage you to listen to that. And this morning, Eric Rasmussen, who is one of our um, pastoral interns here, and um, he's not my son, though, you know, we do look a little bit alike. Uh, he's a Norwegian and I'm a Swede, so really, come on. We've, we've, got, yeah. more, we've got more gold at the Olympics. Yeah, so. they've got more gold <laughs> at the Olympics. All right, so, but, uh-huh, uh-huh. Pride cometh before a fall, so that's okay. But, um, anyway, would you please join me in warmly welcoming Eric? All right. My... You guys can hear me? No? Low, 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 low. Okay. Now you can hear me. Is it too low down? Too far down? Good now? Okay. All right. Well, hi. <laughs> My name is Eric, like Pastor Jim just said, but I like to repeat things. So um, before I start, though, I really want to just pray because the, the topic I'm talking about today, it's a heavy one. So, dear God. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much for the opportunity to stand in front of your people and speak your word. God, I pray that you'd help me. God, to be honest, I feel pretty inadequate talking about the gospel like this. It's such a... There, there's so much we could say about it. There's so much that could be said about your amazing gospel, God. And... God, I'm asking you to help me today. As we talk about just one facet of it, Lord, that, that minds would be open, that eyes would be open, that, that hearts would be opened. 
to the truth of what you've accomplished for us. God, I pray that no one would misinterpret my words, Lord. Pray that, that a spirit of legalism would not come out of this sermon. But God, I pray that we would bask in your grace, bask in your love, and that we would accept it as finished, accomplished on our behalf. God, speak to our hearts. In your name, amen. All right, well, my name is Eric, and I got married. Yeah, yeah, right off the top, yeah. <laughs> no, don't waste any time. So, actually, I, I take, you know, I take the slogans at Bethel very seriously. Um, you see, last year was a year to engage. I did it. Um, and also, you guys are always talking about how strangers become friends, and then friends become family. <laughs> so, last January, I was a stranger. And then I met a girl and was like, hey, you want to be friends? <laughs> and then I thought, you know, we could be family. So, <laughs> so I, take, I take Bethel slogans very, very seriously, very seriously. Um, but, you see, uh, sometimes in life, unexpected things happen. And um, Bethany and I have an announcement to make, actually. And um, it's not the kind of announcement that you usually announce in church, like as the first place you announce it, like in front of all these people. But I figured, hey, since Pastor Jim has given me this platform, I'm going to go ahead and say it. You guys ready for this? Okay, so anyway, but, well, first off, first off, you know, I was not expecting this for like, you know, at least five years. I was hoping to at least make it to the one-year anniversary or at least maybe even the six-month anniversary. I figured I could coast on some, you know, some good, I don't know, something, all right? And I took measures and countermeasures, but, you know, things happen. So, the announcement I have to make today is that I make mistakes. What did you guys think I was going to say? <laughs> I make, not that kind of mistake. I make mistakes, okay? <laughs> it's, it was unplanned, yes, but not that kind of unplanned, all right? So, I have made several mistakes, one of which resulted in Bethany crying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a doozy, okay? But... I mean, I have made several of them. I can name a few of them offhand, but I'll tell you just about one of them, just because we only have a few minutes here. Um, and uh, so the other day, I was doing the dishes. Come on. All right. All right. I was doing the dishes, and unfortunately, I happened to be watching a rugby game at the same time. And as I was watching a rugby game, the other team was on the verge of scoring, okay? Not the Northampton Saints, okay? They're the Saracens, okay? You guys don't know anything about this. But anyway, the, the other team was on the verge of scoring, and I was so tense that I, I was washing a glass, and I squeezed the glass a little bit too hard, and it popped up out of my hands and spun in the air like 16 times and landed in Bethany's mug, okay? 
just like, just perfectly. I don't know how this happened, but the bottom of the glass, which is really, really thick glass, okay? So it didn't hit the top, so the glass didn't break, but the mug shattered in every direction. And this is Bethany's favorite mug, okay? So after I picked all the, all the shards of pottery out of my face and chest and stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? I have destroyed my wife's favorite mug, and I haven't even been married to her for a month. <laughs> so, you know, I waited on the couch nervously for the moment when she would return. And I sat there, and sat there, and sat there, and sat there, and waited, and waited, and waited, and waited, and she walks to the door, I'm like, we have a problem. <laughs> Something happened. And she's like, what? What happened? I broke your mug. And she kind of looked at me and was like, oh, it's okay. I forgive you. Thank you. I feel a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. And, and as soon as she said, I forgive you, I said, Awesome. Now you won't care if I smash your other mugs or any of your other stuff, right? Because that's what you do when you get forgiven. You know, if someone says, hey, it's okay, I forgive you, you say, awesome, I'm going to go break all your other stuff because you don't care, right? Okay, no, I said, awesome, thank you. I'll try never to do it again, you know? You guys can help me, uh, help me with that. <laughs> but... It, you know, we don't, when we get forgiven, our response isn't, awesome, she doesn't care. I'm just going to go and break her other mugs. If there's one thing I know about people, okay, I've traveled all over the world, grew up in East Africa, went to Europe, other parts of Africa, all sorts of places. And this, this actually this last month, I went to Central America for the first time, really far away from me. So... Um, and, and if I, there's one thing that I know about people, everywhere I go is people are broken. That's the one undeniable truth that, that I know about people, you know. And that's one of the reasons why I know that the, that the Bible is true. Because the Bible tells us we're broken and we can't fix ourselves. The Bible tells us we are so broken that there's really no hope for us if we try and fix ourselves. It's impossible. And, and we're all in such need of forgiveness. Because let's be honest, we, we don't even keep our own standards. Okay? Whether you believe in, God, in, in, in the standards that are laid out in the Bible or not, okay, you don't even keep your own standards. Need I remind you of your last New Year's resolution? Okay? <laughs> We try and live up to these standards, and we let ourselves down. We let other people down. And if you're skeptical or not, you let God down. So we are all in such desperate need of forgiveness. And, and the awesome thing about the book of Colossians and, the, and all of Paul's letters is he builds the case for how God has done the work and forgiven us. And, and it's so important to take passages like this that we're about to go over, Colossians 3, 1 through 17, in context, okay? 
Because so often we jump into a book in the Bible and we're like, oh, okay, um, okay, I don't see what I'm supposed to do there. I don't see what I'm supposed to do there. I don't see what I'm supposed to do there. We jump all the way over to chapter 3 and we say, ah, now Paul is finally telling me what I'm supposed to do. But it's like, it's like going to the Grand Canyon or not going to the Grand Canyon and expecting someone to wonder about it, to be in awe of it. Okay? Oh, I explained that terribly. <laughs> All right. Let's say, okay, I grew up in Tanzania on Lake Tanganyika, and we had the most glorious sunsets. I mean, sunsets that would blow your mind. I come here to Minnesota, I'm just kind of like, oh, all right, that's okay. Or other places, you know? I go other places, even in Hawaii, okay? I was in Hawaii back in January, and they're like, oh, look at that sunset. I was like, eh, it's okay, you know? But if you, if you see a Tanzanian sunset, it's like you're just in awe. That big red sun against the purple clouds and the pink and all sorts of stuff. And even just thinking about it now, I'm wondering, I'm in awe of the sunsets. But it's, it's hard for me to expect you guys to be in awe when you haven't seen it or experienced it. Right? Paul, in the book of Colossians, he's been building this case and he's saying, Christ is all. You know? You don't need to add to him because he's all sufficient. He's everything. There's nothing you can add to him. And not only that, he paid all. So religious duties that we do after the fact is not going to add anything to your salvation. You know, you can't add to it. He's done it all. He is all. Christ is everything. And that's the message of Colossians. Just over and over again, Christ is everything. He makes all the difference. And if you try adding to him or you try adding religious duties to it, you're wasting your time. You know, if you try adding in all this, all this, all this new teaching about angels and about visions and about all this stuff, you're just, it, it's not adding anything, okay? Christ is everything. He's the substance of everything. And I can't overemphasize that enough. Christ in us now, okay? Now Christ in us, he brings us hope of glory. He brings us new life. He brings us freedom. He is everything. And, so I, and, and I want to lead with that because I'm about to start talking about this list of things now that Paul tells us should be our response to that. Okay? This is not Paul saying, you know, don't worry about religious duties, and all of a sudden he's like, now here's a list of things that you need to do. Okay? This is, he's shown us this beautiful picture of who Christ is, and now he says, and this is how you should respond to that. Just like standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon, and you look out, and you can't help but respond with wonder and awe. Just like when, when you've been forgiven for some terrible, terrible thing, you can't help but respond by saying, I want to do something for you. I want to give you something. I want to give you, I don't know, I want to buy Bethany a new mug. You know, I want to do something, right? And this, this is depicted so beautifully in the movie Les Mis. Les Miserables. Okay? <laughs> Less Miserables. Okay? Less Miserables. Okay? This is depicted so beautifully in that movie. Okay? 
you only need to watch the first 10 minutes of it because after that, it just gets long. Okay? I, was, I was press-ganged into watching it. I was press-ganged into watching this movie. And the first 10 minutes, I was like on the verge of tears because it's just so moving. The last hour and 50 minutes, I was on the verge of tears because I was so bored. But... <laughs> Wow, this is a hostile audience. All right. <laughs> but they sing through the whole thing. They sing through the whole thing, which was just hard for me, okay? It was just hard. But in that first 10 minutes, there's this scene, okay, where John Bonbon, bon, okay, he steals, <laughs> he steals, okay, this priest invites him into the, the cathedral. He's like, you can stay the night with me. You're freezing outside. Don't freeze outside. Come inside. You can stay with me. And Jean Verjean, or whatever his name is, he's, he's been a prisoner, okay? He went to prison for stealing. So stealing is what he has known, okay? He wakes up in the middle of the night, and he steals from the priest who let him stay with him, okay? He steals silver from him. He goes, he leaves, the police catch him, they bring him back, and they say, you know, sir, this man tried to tell us that you gave him these things. We've caught him red-handed. And the priest, rather than saying, that's right, he stole from me, take him back to prison, which is where he would have ended up. He says, no, 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 no. He told you the truth. I did give him those. And not only did I give him those, you forgot something. And he gives him two more candlesticks. And he says, here, take these as well. These are also, I also gave to you. You were in such a hurry to leave, you forgot them. And, and this moment, and, and there's this song afterwards that, um, <laughs> yeah, I know. The words are really good. The words are really good. <laughs> and, 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 and there's this moment where afterwards, Jean, he's just sitting there, and he is so, it's like he's been kicked in the stomach by grace. Okay? It's like, you know, we, we think that we respond to rules and more rules and more rules. But God knows us even better than we know ourselves. God knows we don't really respond to rules, okay? We break rules. That's what we do. But when we're, when we have, when we're confronted with grace, even, even the most cynical person is like, what have I become? You know, what is this? You know, we're so used to taking an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, getting even. And then all of a sudden, grace interrupts. In this world where people are like, oh, bad karma. You did something bad. You get something bad. And all of a sudden, we do something bad, and we get something good. It's like, what? It's like a punch in the stomach. It's just like, oh, what was that? And, and, and John Varjan, he says, I have to change. I cannot stay the same. And when, we're, when, we, when we get a clear picture of grace, it's the same thing. We have to change. I can't stay the same. God has been so merciful to me, so good to me. How can I stay the same? How can I keep going back and breaking his heart over and over and over again? When you get a clear picture of his grace, Paul says, this is the natural reaction. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Therefore, in view of God's mercies, 
I ask you to, I beseech you, I plead with you, offer yourselves up as living sacrifices. So often we skip over God's mercies and we go straight to, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Get on with it. But Paul says, in view of God's mercies, once you see this, once you see what he's offering you, what he's done for you, how can you go on living the same way? How can you do it? And just like I would never have dreamed of like after getting forgiveness from Bethany for smashing her mug, I never would have dreamed of running to the back room and just going, yeah, smash all the mugs, and to grab them all out and start throwing them on the ground. You know, that's a ridiculous response, right? In the same way, I, I, I kind of laugh. And yet it's so sad when I hear like, People asking, well, how much will God let you get away with? It's like, what a ridiculous thing to say, okay? Are you wanting to be in a codependent relationship with God where you keep breaking his heart and coming back to him and saying, it's okay, you know, I'm sorry. Is that what you want? Do you want, like, an unhealthy relationship? I mean, imagine, okay, imagine two people are in a relationship and the, and the guy is just breaking this girl's heart every single day, every single day, every single day. Is that the kind of relationship you want with God? No. That's not what, at all what we want. we want. We want a mature relationship, right? We want a relationship where there's, there's respect between us, there's love between us, and we don't want to break his heart. And thanks be to God, because of the, the gospel, because of what Christ has done for us, that's possible. That's possible. We can change. We can change, not because there's a list of rules that we have to fulfill, but because we want so badly to please the one who has done so much for us. We want so badly to touch the heart of God, the heart that is completely changed us. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Okay, so don't forget where we've come from, all right? Don't forget that. Paul has been talking about the awesome grace of God, the, the, the love that he has poured out on us so freely, so richly. I'm going to read uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, okay? If then... We have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Your life is hidden with him. All right, when I was a kid, I owned like four comic books my whole childhood. Because I, lived, I grew up in Africa, and they don't have, like, comic book stores over there. But one time when I was over here, somebody gave me a couple comic books. I, I took them back to Africa with me, and I read these things, like, 50 times. I was like, oh, these are so cool. And one of them was Superman. All right? And, you know, Metropolis? Is that where he lives? Yeah, Metropolis, or whatever it's called. It gets completely destroyed. There's bombs going off all over the place, and... People are falling out of windows and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And Superman is fighting as hard as he can to save this whole city. And Lois Lane, who honestly always seems to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, all right, she's standing in the street, and all of a sudden that big old daily planet ball, 
you know, the big one that sits up on top of the up on top of the building, falls off and comes rolling down the street towards her, and she just cowers in fear and goes, ah, it's gonna crush me. And Superman flies down, and what does he do? He stands there, and Lois Lane is like kind of huddled over, and he like gets down in like this crouch. It's crazy. Just like gets down like this crouch over her, like a gorilla. Okay. <laughs> and and this, this big old ball comes rolling down and it smashes into the back of Superman and he goes, oh, but he took it. And Lois Lane is okay. And Superman's like, oh, I'm indestructible. It's okay. You know? <laughs> then he goes and sees a chiropractor and it's all good. But, but to me, as, a, as, a, as a, an eight-year-old kid, that was like the most powerful picture of grace I had ever seen. Okay, here's me. There's this big ball of sin rolling towards me, all the things I've done wrong. And it's like, ah, I'm helpless. I can't do anything about it. But literally, ah, I'm helpless. I can't do anything about it. And all of a sudden, Christ comes and he's like, don't worry. You're hidden in me. I'm going to take this. Okay, he took it because I couldn't take it. He took it. And, and Paul tells us something so, so powerful in this passage. And there's, man, there's so much I want to say. But he says, okay, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. Okay, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things of this earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. I'll say more about that. But what are these things above that we're supposed to seek? Okay. So often when we, when we think, seek things of above, where Christ is seated, we're like, ooh, golden streets. Or, ooh, glory of God, bright lights, right? That's what we think of. When you think of the glory of God, what do you think of? Ooh, you know, sunshine, you know, bright lights, rainbows. Woo! It's going to look nice, okay? But, okay, go with me to Exodus chapter 34. Okay, verses 6 through 7. Actually, Pastor Jim, could you read that for me? Okay, Moses has asked God, he's like, I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. Show me what is your glory. Okay, and this is what happens. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Hmm. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Okay. This is the glory of God. Okay. So often when we think of the glory of God, we're like, oh, you know, bright lights, you know, fire falling from heaven. The glory of God is his compassion and his love. You know, I don't know what Moses was expecting to see when, when, when he asked God. He's like, show me your glory. You know, I want to see your glory. And what did God reveal about himself? He says, I am loving, compassionate, and merciful. So when, so when Paul says, set your mind on things above, okay, the glory of God, love, compassion, mercy. 
It's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive to what we think of when we think of the glory of God. But this is the glory of God. His love, His compassion, His justice, and His mercy. Set your mind on these things. Verses 5 through 8. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And some, some manuscripts say, upon the sons of disobedience. So God is, he, he's, he gets angry about these things. He is wrathful about these things because it's an injustice. It's an injustice. Sometimes we give God a hard time about getting angry about injustices. When's the last time you got angry about an injustice? Usually we only get angry about injustices that come on us. But, you know, God gets, he gets upset when, when, when he sees injustice. Or when he sees people being violated in the world, he gets upset about that. And rightly so. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, free, but Christ is all and in all. Paul says, hey, you used to walk in these things, all right? Before, before you were reborn, you used to walk in these things, but now you're dead to those things. It's like that song we were just singing, okay? I'm dead to the world, but I'm alive in Christ. There's, there's this dangerous, dangerous, dangerous thing that, that some people teach, which is that we still have two natures struggling within us, okay? Your old nature, your sinful nature, it died, okay? It's true, we still have weak bodies, yeah? And some of us, we still have pretty bad habits, but you don't have that same sinful nature which was incapable of obeying God. God has given you a new nature. He compares it to death, okay? Death is kind of final, all right? <laughs> he says, you died. You know what this means? This means that our eternal life has begun now. Okay? You've died already. You've already died. In John, uh, Jesus says, knowing the Father is eternal life, right? We are in it. We've begun eternal life now. Why would we continue walking like people who haven't been reborn? Why would we continue walking like people who are still wearing their old nature, okay? Paul says, you've taken it off. You've gotten rid of it. It's gone. You don't have it anymore, okay? Now, I'm not denying that we still make mistakes, okay? We still have parts of us that have been so badly mutilated by, by sin that we still need straightening out, okay? We're still bent, but it's not like two natures at war within us so much as it is one nature cleaning up the other one, right? It's not like there's a civil war going on inside of us as much as it is, you know, 
Jesus has come in, he's conquered, and now he's just kind of mopping up. Okay? It's, it's so different. How, you know, we, and we, we need to, Paul in Romans chapter 6, he says, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. When was the last time you sat down and considered that? Consider it. You know, consider the fact that you are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. I don't think we consider that enough. Sometimes we consider too much the sin that we feel alive to. And because of that, we're slaves to it. We're we're like, oh man, sin got me again. Oh man, sin got me again. Okay? Rather than sitting and considering, man, God's got me. He's got me. I am alive in him. My old nature is dead. I no longer have to live in that. But Paul says we need to consider it. This needs to be at the forefront of your mind. When sin comes knocking on your door, you're like, no, sorry, you don't live here anymore. Okay? But it has to be at the forefront of your mind. This has to be our, our, the way we see ourselves. And it says, but it's a process, okay? It is a process. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Okay? That word, it says having put off, okay? That's a, that's a past tense, okay? We have put it off. We've put off this old nature. But, and we've put on a new nature, which is being renewed. That's present continuous. Hannah nods. Present continuous. Okay, now I can say it with authority. <laughs> okay, that's present continuous. That means it's ongoing. You are being renewed after the Im- in, renewed in knowledge after the image of your Creator, the image of our Creator. Wow, loving, merciful, compassionate, just. We are being renewed in the image of our Creator. That's an ongoing, present, continuous thing. Put on then. Okay, so Paul has talked about what we've got to put off. Now let's put something on, okay? Because who wants to walk around naked? All right, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Okay, you are God's chosen ones. You are holy and beloved. You are holy and beloved compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Let's pause there a moment. Okay? It still comes back to what Christ did. Okay? We get into trouble a lot of times when we get so focused on ourselves. Okay? I have to forgive. I have to forgive. I have to be compassionate. I have to do this. Or if we sin, oh, I am such a terrible person. I am so sorry, God. I did this. I, 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 I. And when, you, when you're so focused on yourself, it's hard to even focus on, cro- on the cross or Jesus Christ. You've got to lift your eyes, guys. We have to lift our eyes and see Christ, Jesus you are so capable of covering 
all of my mistakes. You are so capable of taking it when I couldn't take it. And, and, even, and even in forgiveness, all right, here's a powerful word for you. Jesus Christ forgave you, he forgave me, he forgave us in spite of everything we've done. And yet sometimes we refuse to forgive people because of what they've done. Okay? Jesus Christ forgave us in spite of what we've done. He, he had, in spite of what we've done, okay? <laughs> in spite of what we have done, he forgave us. He had compassion on us. He was merciful towards us in spite of, not because of. If he hadn't, oh, man, if it was because of, I'd be in some big trouble, and so would you. I know you, okay? But in spite of what we had done, he had compassion on us. He had grace on us. And Paul is saying, in the same way, we need to operate on an in spite of level. Love people in spite of how they behave. Be compassionate to people in spite of how they behave. Forgive people in spite of how they behave. Not because of. (laughs) Because people will disappoint you over and over and over again. We're all broken. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts which indeed you were called, oh, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Be thankful. Man, we have so much to be thankful for. Oh, the gospel, honestly guys, the gospel is the best idea ever. Okay? <laughs> the best idea ever. There's never been a better one, there will never be a better one. God can remain just and yet justify. Oh, that blows my mind. God can remain just and yet justify at the same time. Okay, here's the problem. Okay, if God just lo- overlooks all your sin without any payment being made for it, he's no longer just. Okay, <laughs> if he doesn't overlook your sin, well, woo, we're in trouble. Okay, so. <laughs> You know, if I, if I was God, you guys probably would have been in a lot more trouble. I would have been like, I don't know what to do, you know. <laughs> I need to remain just, but how am I supposed to justify them? I wouldn't have thought, oh, I'll go die for them. I would have been like, well, he's got a problem. But instead, God is like, I know what I'll do. I will remain just, and I will pay the penalty for their sin. What an idea. What an idea. That's crazy, okay? Just contemplate that for a moment, okay? It's the best idea ever. There's no better idea than that. Oh, and, and for, for like the past couple of years, I've been praying to God. I'm just like, God, teach me the truth about your gospel. Teach me it in a deep way. And, and that comes to this part. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay? The word there being logos. Okay? And this is more than just like 
words, like a bunch of words on a piece of paper. This is living and active word. Okay? Let this dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Meditate on this stuff, guys. We have to meditate on it. You know, we spend far too little time in contemplation. Especially in American culture, we spend way too little time contemplating and way too much time just filling our time with things. Facebook, movies, you know. We fill our time. Every second of our day is full. We have no time to contemplate. We have no time to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to, Jesus, alive to God in Jesus Christ. We have no time for that. We need to build it into our schedules, build it in and be like, I need to contemplate this stuff because this stuff is good. This is good stuff. And as you contemplate it, okay, there, there's a change that takes place. As you contemplate the grace of God, you move from this, this feeling of, oh, I got to change or I have to change to this, this feeling of almost, I want to change. Or, or even, even beyond that, sometimes it's this, I must change. Not that, not that there's this, this external law that's being imposed on you, but within you, Okay? The Spirit of God wells up inside of you and says, I, I must be different. I must be more compassionate. I must be more loving. There's this thing that well, this, the Spirit of God just wells up inside of you and says, I must. Just like Jean Valjean, when he was confronted with the grace of this priest, he said, I cannot stay the same. And his whole life was altered because of that. If you watch the the rest of the hour and 50 minutes of that movie, okay? His whole life was changed because of that. That moment of grace changed the course of his entire life. If, if that moment of grace hadn't taken place, well, he probably would have just ended up back in prison. Or if he had escaped, or if he had been, not been caught by the soldiers, he at least would have just continued on stealing. But in that one moment, it was like, Everything changed. Everything completely changed. And we need to contemplate that moment. In the movie, you, you see that Jean Valjean, he never gets rid of those two candlesticks. He keeps those two candlesticks, and every, like, every night he just goes there and stares there and stares at them. Just remembering that moment of grace that changed his life. I don't want to guilt trip anyone, okay? But we need to build into our lives time to contemplate, time to think, okay? Maybe it's, maybe it's, you need to fast from something that you've been doing, you know? Maybe, maybe we need to give up one thing that's been taking up some time in our lives. And I'm not talking about, you know, sitting for two hours doing alms in front of like a candle or something, okay? I'm just talking about taking a few minutes every day being like, I am dead to sin. I have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am a new creation. My mind is being renewed. I am, my nature is being renewed. My person is being renewed into the image of my creator. That's powerful stuff. 
and if, if change is hard for you, okay, Paul doesn't just leave us and say, okay, no problem. You know, if you're struggling with something, too bad. That's it. Okay? He says, let the, word of God, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right? There's this, there's this sense in which we are teaching and admonishing one another. Okay? Too often in our individualistic American society, we try and live the Christian life on our own. Whereas, whereas the scripture says, you know, confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. Some of us, we really need to build in accountability. And I'm not talking about just like accountability like every week I'm going to check in with you and uh, I'm going to find out how you're doing. Okay? Because most of the time that leads to just plain out lying, okay? But I mean like living in community where you are intentionally getting with someone, intentionally getting with someone to admonish one another, to build one another up. We need this, guys. You need other people, okay? You know, we sing the song, all I need is you, all I need is you, okay? Actually, even God realized that it wasn't good for man to be alone, right? That's one of the first things he says. Okay? After he finishes speaking you know, the world into being, he goes, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. And yet, Adam had perfect relationship with God. Okay? But we, need, we are communal beings. We are built for community. So we need each other. We need that admonishing. We need that building up. It's necessary. God knows us so well. That's one of the biggest proofs for the Bible is the fact that I, like, the Bible speaks the truth about us. Okay? That's why some people, they don't even need someone to preach to them. They read the Bible and they're like, oh, this is true. You know? Whoa, I, I really do do that. Whoa, I really do feel that way. The Bible speaks such blatant truth. And God knows that rules don't change us, but grace will. Rules do not change us, but grace has the power to transform your life completely. To transform my life, my life completely. Grace is such a powerful thing. My original title for the sermon was <laughs> Grace Kicked to the Stomach, okay? Because it's just like, you know, wham, grace. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay? King Ta did Taekwondo. But changing grace. Because not only does God's grace save us, it changes us. And, and it's not even such an unnatural thing, Okay? You know, we talk about the gospel, how it's, how it's just completely different. But I don't know one person who went and watched the movie Les Mis and came back and was like, man, I can't believe Jean Valjean changed. 
That's ridiculous. I, should, I would have just kept stealing. No, everyone was like, man, if I was shown that kind of grace, I probably would have changed too. And these, I mean, I'm talking about Christians, non-Christians, everyone, they're like, man, you know, hey, if I had been forgiven like that, I probably would change too. We have been forgiven like that. And other people need to know that they also can be forgiven like that. And therefore, (laughs) though we rest on his unchanging grace, we are changed by his grace. I don't know for you today, maybe there's something that we've talked about today, and it's a struggle for you, okay? There's an area that you struggle in, you struggle to change. I would encourage you to do something. Number one is focus less on your area of struggle and focus more on Jesus Christ. Because sometimes we, I mean, literally, you can get so mired, I mean, so stuck in the muck of your sin that your nose is just down in it and you're like, I can never get out of this. Stop for a moment. Okay? Stop even considering it. I don't even want you to consider your sin right now. Look at Jesus Christ. Look at what he's done for you. This all-powerful grace, this grace that is worth more than you could ever pay, this grace that is more powerful than any rule that you can make up for yourself. This grace has the power to build change in you. Stop focusing on your sin just for a moment. Okay? Maybe, and, and, but for other people, you need to take some steps. We need to take some steps. You need, we need to maybe build some accountability into our lives. We need that community. We need that community. For others, for others, we're just not captivated enough by the person of Jesus Christ and his grace towards us. All I'm inviting you to do today, okay? I'm not, I'm not asking you to obey a list of rules All I'm inviting us to do today is to respond. Because it didn't start on our side. Okay? It starts on Jesus Christ's side. We forgive as we've been forgiven. We show compassion the way we've been shown compassion. It all starts on his side. Okay? This is not, I'm not saying this is a legalistic thing where you have to do a set of rules so that you can gain God's approval. No, you have God's approval. All the challenge I'm giving us today is respond. Respond to that. Will you respond to that? Paul has painted such a clear picture of the gospel. Such a beautiful, clear picture of the gospel up to this point. Christ is all. Christ paid all. In Christ, we have all we need for life and godliness. Respond. Let's respond to that. Thank you, guys. The worship team wants to come up. I want to give a personal testimony directly connected to what Eric just shared. 35 years ago, as a sophomore in college, I was um, overwhelmed 
by the loving kindness of God. And as the weight of his love pressed upon my soul, I recognized in myself that I was the most unloving person that ever had ever walked the face of the earth, is how I felt. And I received a challenge, and the challenge was this. For the next 30 days, read and meditate on 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7, and the love that's expressed there. Love is patient. Love is kind. And for 30 days, I prayed 1 Corinthians 13, and I prayed it into my spirit and into my Grace of God is changing grace. That change isn't complete yet. There's still more of His love to be worked in me. It is that ongoing process that gets walked out in our lives. But I'm here to testify that the word you heard today is true. It is true. And it is life to all who are here and receive it. So whatever it is in your heart and life today, whatever the Lord is sort of bringing up into your spirit today, whatever you are acknowledging and recognizing and saying, okay, He is so ready. He is so willing. He's so right here, right now. He's right here, right now. All morning, we've just been creator God. He is Yahweh. He is the one who brings transformation. So, why wouldn't we? <laughs> why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we want to change? Oh, it's so good. It's so much better. His way is so good. It's so much better. He loves us so much, too much to leave us the way we are. He wants that change. For our good and the good of those around us. For his kingdom to come and stand. We're going to sing. The worship team is going to lead us in a song as they do. Wonderful hymn. Take my life. Let it be. And as they do, if you want to come to this altar, not because it's magical, but because it's a touch point of saying, okay, God, you've touched me today. I'm going to reach out here and open my heart, and I'm going to respond. Let's respond. I will give a benediction after we sing this through but just let the spirit of God right now put his hand upon an area in your life I don't know what it might be a place where transformation needs to come let the weight of his grace now fill flood let that 
Let that um, hammer come again on that wall in your heart. Jesus. Take my life and Open hands, we open our hearts to you. And we open our hearts again today, afresh to your grace. Thank you for this amazing grace. Truly, we could have never thought of it on our own. Truly, we never would have conceived of such a thing. The God we receive today, this amazing grace. We receive this amazing grace today. Amazing grace that saved and changes wretches like us. Oh God, for the work you have begun, continue till it is complete. Oh, we receive our hearts, our hands, our minds, our spirit, our bodies. We receive. Hands open. Receive the benediction of this grace. God, as our creator, shape our lives the way you want. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace all the time and in every way. Go make disciples for all nations. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all in Jesus' name. Amen. There is power.